0: I am glad to be back with you guys. I haven't seen y'all in, what, how many weeks has it been since we've been in here on a Wednesday? It's been almost, it's been a month since we've been in here. Wow. Did you have a question, Jacob? Are we doing a game? Y'all are obsessed with games tonight. That's like, that's like the 12th time I've been asked that question. There is food. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes in a few minutes. All right. I want to talk to you guys about this. Rebel? Rebel? Rebel. 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 However, you want to say it. Rebel. When you see this word rebel, what comes to mind? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I heard Kevin Pham. What'd you say? Jack Marsh. Cole Reagan. Yeah, y'all are, y'all are some major rebels. Grayson. Rambo. Okay. Give me. Okay. We're doing real good with the names. Give me some... You have no idea. Give me some qualities that you think of when you hear this word or see this word. Cole Reagans is not a quality. What's that? Jacob. Di- okay. We got disobedient. What else? Drew. Drew, give me a word. Lane, independent, disobedience, independent. You lost it, Lord. What's that? Breaks the law. Pain, attitude. Pain. attitude. What'd you say? Reckless. All right, one more, Lane. Has a <laughs> you hope? You hope. All right, we've got, we've got pain, disobedience, breaks the law. Consequence in a bad way. Consequence in a bad way has a purpose no matter what. How twisted. Yes, ma'am. Have a purpose for a good thing? It could be a good thing. Like you could be rebelling from something bad. It could be rebelling from something good. Okay. What's that? I still can't hear you. Does it respect authority? All right. Jacob? Does right even though everybody else says to do wrong. All right. Now, we're going Okay, we got a couple different directions going here. We've got some that are leaning towards disobedient, breaks the law, pain, disrespects authority. And we have some. Hey, I didn't play baseball, but I can throw this thing. And I'll probably wait till you're not looking when you're turning your head and talking. So pay attention. We have some of you that you're leaning towards rebelling can be a good thing. And there are going to be times when that is the case. There's times, and most of the time, what comes to mind is the bad side of rebelling. And every one of us, we decide to rebel in some way. Now, we may pick different forms to do it. Some people will do it with their clothes. They don't want to dress like everybody else dresses, so they'll wear clothes that are different from everybody else, which sadly nowadays seems to be what everybody's doing, so it's really not that different anymore. You've got people that they'll decide what they want to drive as a car just because they want to be different from everybody else. Some people, maybe some of you even in this room, you will pick your boyfriends and girlfriend simply because you know your parents won't like them, and that's your form of rebellion. You see, we've all got different ways that we do this. And there are negative connotations and bad ideas when we think about this word rebel or we think about rebellion. But just like some of you mentioned, sometimes there's a good side to being a rebel. Sometimes rebellion is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, sometimes that's exactly what needs to happen. And believe it or not, there's going to be times when you as a Christian... You need to rebel against what you've learned about Christianity. You need to do things different than what maybe people have taught you your entire life. You may need to do things different than maybe what you've just been doing for so long. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. You see, when we look at Jesus Christ, when we look at his life, I wouldn't necessarily call Jesus a rebel, but a lot of the things he did were rebellious. He came to earth with a mission. His goal, his task, was to show people who God was. That was the purpose of his life. That is why he died. And that mission required him to do some things differently than what most of the people had been doing up till that point. That mission required him to change the rules. That's what we're going to look at tonight. When we talk about rebelling, we talk about Christianity, sometimes you've got to change the rules. What people have told you your entire life of, okay, this is how you do church, this is what you should do, this is where you should sit, this is how you should sing, you may have to change that up on occasion. You see, a lot of times we don't mind changing rules, do we? There's some of you in here, rules, man, if you could chuck them out the window in a heartbeat, you'd be so happy. And there's some of you like me where I'll follow a rule sometimes just because it's a rule whether it makes sense or not. But you see, we most of the time would just like to get rid of them regulations, guidelines. In fact, I want to see how some of you do with following the rules. So I need two volunteers. Nick, come on up. You get it now? Cole Reagans. Come on up. Here's what you two are going to do. Come stand in front of a plate. Yeah, that was nice. Go, Go over there and stand in front of a plate. Now, what I did... What I did is I had three of you write down instructions on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm going to pick one of these. I'm going to pick one of these, and I'm going to read it. Now, guys, you have to do literally what I say. You can't do anything else other than what I say. Okay? That is the rule. You have to follow my directions. Um, Yes, you can eat that sandwich that you're about to make. So, here's what we're gonna do. are y'all ready? what ask me ask me that afterwards no PB and J peanut butter and jelly Wow okay y'all are killing me all right you ready Here's what the instructions say the instructions say this take bread. Okay. It didn't say open the bag. It said take bread. Take, take peanut butter and jelly. And use butter knife or your plastic knife to spread peanut butter and jelly on one side of bread. Then make them kiss. No, no, no. It didn't say open the bag. It didn't say open the jar. Nick, it didn't say open the jar. It says take the bread, take peanut butter and jelly, and use the butter knife to spread peanut butter and jelly on one slice of bread and then make them kiss. I like that. How are you gonna do this <laughs> kiss? Now, according to those directions, that is how you would make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You want to try a different one? Let's try a different one. Okay, let's try this one. This one says, this one says, take your bread and get two pieces of it. Now, that implies you can open the bag. Okay, come on, you got to move faster than that, man. We don't have all night. Are you ready? All right, next direction. Take two pieces of bread. Select your peanut butter. You don't have much choice. Take your spreading utensil. It didn't say open the peanut butter. Take your spreading utensil and spread the peanut butter on one piece of bread. What's that? But that's not what's written down. All right, let's go to the next one then. Choose your jelly and spread it on your other piece of bread. Don't open it. I'm not. Don't open it. Take two pieces of bread and smoosh together. And then it says cut in half. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do I cut it in half with a knife? It just says cut in half. You could use your tongue if you wanted to. Maybe you should cut the bread it. All right. This is the closest we got to a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Thank you. Y'all go sit down. Y'all go sit down. Oh, you want to hear the last one? Okay, here's the last one. Okay, here we go. Take two pieces of bread. And on the first, you already got two pieces. You're good. Spread a lot of peanut butter over the slice, reaching the corners. (laughs) He's spreading the peanut butter. (laughs) He's rubbing the jar on the bread. Next on the second slice, spread the jelly sparingly, avoiding the edges. What does sparingly mean? Not much. <laughs> not much. Just a little bit. Lastly <laughs> lastly, flip the two pieces onto each other with the moist sides together. Cut the sandwich diagonally into triangles. Well, Triangle, uh, Nick, triangles make triangles. Yeah, because you want to I, hate, hate. I like more jelly. You like me? yeah. I'm not gonna tell you who wrote this. I'm not going to tell you who wrote those. All right. Put it it down. Okay. Y'all give him a hand. Thank you, guys. I know. I made that as difficult as possible, didn't I? What's that? I'll tell you who wrote them later. But if you watch that, guys. Now, had I let you throw the rule out about following the directions literally, you could have made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, couldn't you? Well, yeah, that may be true. Step-by-step directions. If I had let you go, it wouldn't have been any problem. But because I made you stick to the rules, to what was written on these cards, you didn't really get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, did you? The best you got was some bread cut up into triangles and squares. I'm going to take it in a minute. I don't care. I'm going to take it. Yeah, I hear you. You see, a lot of times we think life would be easier if we just threw the rules out. You know, if there weren't things like speed limits, I could get wherever I needed to be as fast as I wanted to be, and I would never have to worry about being late. If we threw out copyright laws, oh, now I'm meddling. You could make copies of any CDs and movies you wanted to and not worry about the fact that you're actually breaking the law when you do that. Yeah, everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Hey. If we could get rid of dress codes, yeah, I figure some of you would like that. Or some of your schools don't have them and you need dress codes, it's completely different, yeah. You could do whatever you wanted to do. But you know what? Sometimes there are rules, there are laws that are there, and they're there for a good reason. Even though we want to throw them out. It's like in our house, we have a game called Break the Ice. Have you all ever played that game? It's a fun game. There was only one slight problem. When Jared was younger, he and I would play that game. And you know, when you play that game, you're supposed to just tap out one little cube, one little block of ice, and try not to make the bear fall. Jared, on the other hand, thought the rule was that he got to tap out two pieces of ice or more, depending on how he felt that day. And every time we tried to play that game, Jared didn't care anything about the rules. He just wanted to knock all the pieces out. And I'm sitting there with a four-year-old going, no, 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 one square, one. (laughs) Driving me nuts. But you know what? If it were up to Jared, the rules would have been gone. And life would have been great. You see, sometimes it's not that we need to get rid of the rules. It's that the rules need to change a little bit. When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to our walk with God and our faith, it's not that we just get rid of everything that we've learned. It's that maybe we don't quite understand why we're carrying him out the way we are. You see, when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was born in a way that nobody thought he was going to be born. Jesus did not come in as a conquering king. He came in as a baby in a stable, not the way people expected. And if you read through the Gospels, you follow his life, and you see that time after time, Jesus didn't do what everybody expected him to do. He changed the rules. He changed the way people did things. And in doing so, he showed us what it really meant to follow God. Now, the specific passage I want to look at tonight is called the Sermon on the Mount. And as you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts talking. And he's preaching to this large crowd. And as Jesus is preaching in Matthew chapter 5, he starts talking about some things that are very familiar to the crowd that he's talking to. He talks to them about the law, the law that they would know. But as Jesus starts talking about this law, Jesus starts changing some of the things that they knew about the law. Let's just jump into it. Matthew chapter 5, it starts in verse 21. Here's what it says. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. You see, Jesus' words here, as he's saying these things, this probably shocked a lot of people. Because he's starting off, he's starting with the law. These people are used to the law, they're Jewish, they know the Torah, they know what they're supposed to do according to the Jewish law and the rules and regulations. Even if they didn't, he's taking them back to the very basic Ten Commandments that we find in Exodus chapter 20. The basic law that God gave his people because God knew from the very beginning whether we like it or not, we need boundaries. We need rules. We need guidelines. But when God gave those to the people, he gave it to them for a specific purpose. And by the time you get to where Jesus is talking here of the Sermon on the Mount, this small group of ten laws, these ten commandments, has turned into 613 laws that the Jewish people were responsible to know every single day and not break one of them. 613 you see, as you look at this, what happened is the, the religious leaders, the people who were in charge of helping everybody carry out these Ten Commandments, they forgot about why those commandments were given. They forgot about what the purpose was. And when they forgot about it, they had to come up with all these other laws and all these other rules so that they could help the people live the life that they thought God wanted them to live, forgetting the reason why God wrote those commandments in the first place. You go all the way back to Exodus chapter 20 to those Ten Commandments. God gave us those because we need guidelines. But we need to understand the purpose for those laws. And that's what Jesus starts doing here. You see those 613 laws that they had? It's kind of like the tax code we have now. Anybody here fully understand the tax laws? I know most of you don't have to fill out taxes or do taxes. But that's why you have to pay a professional to do your taxes. Or you buy computer software. Because there's so much, there's no possible way for one person to keep track of every single one of those in your head every single minute of the day. That's the way it was with the 613 laws. The people were so overwhelmed with what they had to remember that it became hard to remember. And Jesus said, you know what? These laws are good. There's nothing wrong with them. But you're not quite understanding why they were written. He goes on. He doesn't just stop right there at that first one. He continues in Matthew 5, verse 27. He says, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In chapter 5, verse 31, It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is its footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. you see what he's doing here? He's taking law after law after law, and he's saying, this is what it says, and this is good. But there's more to it than that. You guys are missing the intent of the law because you're so stuck on the letter of the law. You're so worried about breaking these rules and breaking these laws that you forget why those laws were written in the first place. It's about the heart, not just about the action in the head. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You see, when Jesus started saying some of these things, when he started what looked like to some of the people adding to the law, they thought he was changing it. They thought he was taking the law, the basic commandments that they knew to be true, and he was just chucking it out. But that's not what Jesus was doing. In fact, he told them that before he ever starts this discourse on all these laws and the way people were supposed to behave, He told them in verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. See, Jesus, he came in and he started taking those laws that they knew and he changed the rules a little bit. He didn't change it because the laws were bad. He changed it because the people didn't understand why those rules were there. You see, God gave us those ten commandments not to condemn us. You see, Scripture tells us in uh, excuse me, where is it? James? in the book of James, that if we fail at one point of the law, we're guilty of failing all the law. If we break one commandment, we're guilty of breaking all the commandments. It's all the same to God. But you see, that's not why God gave us the law. He didn't give it to us so we could sit here in fear and never move because we're afraid we're going to do something that's going to dishonor God. He gave us the law so that we would know what it looks like to live a life that honors Him. That if we adhere to these Ten Commandments or the 613 other laws that they came up with, that that life, doing those things, not doing those other things, would be a life that glorifies Him with everything that we do and everything that we say. And the religious leaders of that time, they had lost sight of that. They lost sight of the fact that God wants us to know Him. They forgot that the law was a means to an end, and they saw the law as the end itself. You see, the reality is, there are a lot of laws that don't make sense. In Florida, there's a lot of laws that don't make sense. And I'm sure at one point in time, there was a reason they were written. But nowadays, most people probably don't remember why. Let me, let me read you just a couple of the ones that I found. One of them says the state constitution allows for freedom of speech, a trial by jury, and pregnant pigs not to be confined in cages. Couldn't tell you why that was written, but I'm sure at one point in time there was a purpose. Or how about this one? Women may be fined for falling asleep under a hair dryer, as can the salon owner. Yeah, of course, most women don't go to hair dryers and salons anymore, but I'm sorry, my wife is shaking her head. Yes, they do. <laughs> is it nice to fall asleep in a hair salon? Is it okay? <laughs> How about this one? A special law prohibits unmarried women from parachuting on Sunday, or she shall risk arrest, fine, and or jailing. It's it's a law that's on the books. I, I like this one. If an elephant is left tied to a parking meter... the parking fee has to be paid just as it would for a vehicle if an elephant is left tied to a parking meter the parking fee has to be paid just as it would be for a vehicle you see it should be double (laughs) it's like a semi but see at some point in time these laws made sense now when we look at them we don't see the purpose for them I don't know Apparently clowns. It's a circus coming to town. You see, at some point in time, the Ten Commandments, those laws made sense to the people. They understood that those laws, those commandments were given so that they could know God, so that they could honor him with their lives. But by the time we get to where Jesus is talking, the people don't necessarily realize that anymore. All they know is they've got all these laws that they've got to try and keep. And that's what Jesus does. He comes in and he says, you know what? These things are good, but you need to understand why they're here. You need to understand the intent, and the intent is so that you can know God, so that you can experience his love and his forgiveness and what a life that honors him looks like. And that was his whole purpose. And the thing that really threw him for a loop is when he actually started living it out. When you go through and you read some of the other Gospels, you see these things that Jesus is talking about lived out in the way that he treats people, and the way that he acts towards people. He didn't just change the rules in speech, he changed it in action. And a lot of times, that will speak so much louder than what we say. When somebody can look at you and you tell them, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, here's what I believe we should do because of that faith that I have. That's great. But when they turn around and actually see you do it, man, that is what speaks to people. When it becomes real in your life, when it becomes real in their life, because they see it played out in yours, just the way it played out in Jesus' life. In John chapter five or 7, we're going to jump over there because there's an instance in Scripture, there's many of them, but I want to look at one where Jesus changed the rules about what was going on. And what was expected of him. And he carried out exactly what he was talking about here. It says in John 7 verse 53. They went each to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All of the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst they said to him, Teacher, This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Okay, they brought this woman. She's clearly broken the law. And they bring her to Jesus. They put her in front of him and they say, here's what the law says. What do we do? Now, if you remember, we already saw where Jesus said, you know what? I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So he knows what's going on. This would be like somebody on Sunday morning, Pastor Ray is up there preaching on the stage and all of a sudden the back doors of the church bust open and the deacons bring a woman in and throw her down on the stage and say, Pastor Ray, we caught her! What are you going to do about it? Only Pastor Ray is not Jesus. But that's what's going on. And they throw her down in front of Jesus and say, what do we do? What do you say that we do? Here's what the law says, what do you say that we do? See, they're intense to trap him. They've heard all this stuff. They've heard the Sermon on the Mount, all these things he's talking about. So now they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to see what he's going to do. If he says what they just said, if he goes along with them, then yes, he's fulfilling the law. He's carrying it out the way they understand it to be carried out. But he's not living out what he's already told him should be lived out. Now, if he says, let her go, then he's breaking the law. And if he came to fulfill the law and not abolish it, he's got a problem there too. So what's interesting is the way Jesus decides to do it. He decides to change the rules, but not in the way anybody expected. Look at what happens next. Verse 6. This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. You see, this is what I love here, is that in this situation right here, on the outside, it's very clear to see what's happening. But Jesus doesn't just look at the outside. Jesus looks at what's going on inside. Jesus knows that the religious leaders are trying to trap him. Jesus looks at this woman and knows that she's a sinner. And instead of just saying, you know what, you've sinned, you should be stoned, y'all go take care of it. He does something different. He bends down and he starts to write in the sand. Now we have no idea what he wrote. Scripture doesn't tell us that. Some people have speculated it could be the sins that these religious leaders had committed. That's what Jesus was writing down. It could be the thoughts that they had in their head that they hoped nobody ever found out. We don't know what it was. But it says that Jesus bent down and he started writing here. And he stands up and he tells them, hey, if you're not guilty, go right ahead. Do exactly what the law tells you to do. And then he bends down and keeps writing. You see, what Jesus does right here is he changes the rules and he looks not just at the surface and what the law requires, but he looks at the heart of what's going on. And Jesus sees the sinner, not just the sin, but the sinner. He sees what needs to be fixed, not a woman that needs to be stoned and murdered because she broke the law, but a woman that needs a relationship with him and needs to be forgiven by Jesus Christ and by God. And he looks at the heart of the religious leaders and sees not just the men who want to carry out the law, but the men who don't understand what the law is for. And that's what he addresses. That's what I mean when I say he changes the rules. And it goes on here in verse 9. It says, when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Everybody in that situation looked at that woman and thought, sinner. We're going to get to see a stone in today. Jesus looked at that situation and saw, sinner, she needs forgiveness. See, he changed the way people looked at it. He changed the way people thought justice should be carried out. And that's why when I say that phrase about loving God and love others, we can't just stop at loving God. You see, the religious leaders, they had gotten so focused on the rules that they thought they were loving God, that that stopped them from loving others. You see, the problem is our love for God forces us to love others it encourages us to love others because if we truly passionately love god that is going to outflow from us into other people and that may require us to change the way we do some things you see as christians there's some times that we we play a game and some of us we're, we're really good at playing this game We're here when the doors are open, every time the doors are open. We sit in the right spot, usually the same spot, every week. We know the songs. We sing them, or at least mouth the words so everybody thinks we're singing them. We know the verses. We know the right answer when somebody asks us a question. Jesus. And everything's okay. But at the same time, we know it's a game. And we know that while we're doing all those things, and while we're doing our best to give the right answers, when we step out of these doors, that's not the life we're living. That's not the person that we really are. That's just the mask we put on when we come around our Christian friends. You see, my challenge to you tonight is are you willing to change the rules? When I talk about rebelling, when I talk about being a rebel, are you willing to do things different than what everybody else expects. Some of you, you go to North Florida Christian School, and there's a certain expectation for the way you should behave when you're on this campus. But you also know, with some of your friends, there's a certain expectation for the way you behave when you leave this campus. And it's not the same way it is here. Are you willing to change that? Are you willing to take a stand? And like some of you were saying before, being a rebel with a purpose. Doing something different. Something different than what everybody else expects of you because you know that's what God called you to do. Are you willing to change those rules? Well, so that's my prayer and my challenge for you tonight. You guys, you're going to go to school tomorrow. You're going to wake up in your house tomorrow. And there's going to be expectations on you from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to sleep. Some of them are good, and some of those are expectations you should meet. Some of them, it's an expectation because you're playing the game. You know your parents expect you to act a certain way, and you put that mask on with them. You know your friends at school expect you to act a certain way, and you put that mask on with them. You know when you come to church... You're expected to act a certain way and you put that mask on here. You have all these rules and these expectations. Are you willing to change that? That's why Jesus Christ was born. That's why Jesus Christ died. He came so that we didn't have to play the game. He came so that we could change the expectations, the norm. Now, reading your Bible, singing, Praying, being here every time the doors are open, those are not bad things. Don't misunderstand me. The question is, why are you doing it? Are you doing it because it's an expectation on you? Are you doing it because you are so in love with God that that is what your heart desires more than anything else? That's what I'm talking about when I say change the rules. Don't do it because it's expected of you. Do it because you want God that bad. Because you are that desperate to experience him. The rules you may need to change are the ones you've set on yourself. I'm going to get up, I'm going to do my quiet time. I've done this sometimes. I get up, I do my quiet time because I know I want to check it off the list so I can say I did my quiet time. That's the expectation I have on myself. But you know what? Nine times out of ten when I do it for that reason, I don't get anything out of it. But when I sit down and just read and just ask God to show me what He's got for me to learn that day, when I change that expectation, that rule I have for myself, (laughs) I see God in a way that I wouldn't have seen Him otherwise. Are you willing to try that tonight? Do something different. Don't play the game. Don't do what's expected. But really spend time with God and see, see if that doesn't make a difference. The law that... God gave us it's not to condemn us it's not to make us feel guilty it's to help us know how to live a life that honors Him and when we do that all of those things that are expected of us as Christians they'll become things we want to do not things we feel like we're expected to do are you willing to change the rules tonight let's pray God I want to thank you <laughs> thank you for sending Jesus Christ God thank you for for being willing to to do something that none of us expected God to have a son to have you that would come and that would look like nothing that we ever imagined and God, I pray tonight, God that you will help each one of us. Lord, as we we sit here for a minute and just think about the expectations that other people place on us in this Christian, this this walk, this faith that we have in you. God, as we think about the expectations we have for ourselves. God, I pray for each person in here and I pray this for myself, God, that, that we will really figure out. God, is it because it's what you want us to do or are we just doing it because it's what we're expected to do? God, help us to change the rules. Help us us to seek you because we want to know you, not just because we think everybody's watching us. And if you're here tonight, I want to promise you, change is scary. We talked about that on Sunday morning a couple weeks ago. If you start to do things different, if you start to act different, people are going to question you. You may feel alone, but you're not. There's a room full of people right here that love you, that will pray for you, that will be there for you, whatever you need. And if you want somebody to pray with you tonight, as soon as the music starts... I want to ask you, just grab that person and do it. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.